There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big. Mm-hmm. Abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the... Hello, 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 and welcome back to Cryptids of the Corn Podcast. I am the great and powerful Mr. E. I think he just blew up my headphones. <laughs> and I am J-Clone42, reporting for duty. So, uh, our previous really expensive roadcaster died. So this is literally a brand new one right out the box, right as we're recording this. So any little uh, funky stuff that happens this recording, please forgive us. Like, literally, we had to record today, but I got to say this, though. We're not sponsored, but Sweetwater, if you ever get any of your electronics, get them through Sweetwater if you can, because this thing broke on, what was it? It broke on Wednesday morning, and they had me a new one by Thursday, Thursday. morning. Yeah. So, it's I just, fast. yeah. No, they're super great people. Um, I love working with them. It's pretty much all of our equipment's come from Sweetwater. Yeah, just, they're just, awesome. I just had to give that little out, but... We haven't had fully time to set up this Roadcaster Pro 2 yet fully. I did the little thing right before Jay got here, but we're just going to hope that it all sounds the same. Yeah. Like normal. So we'll see. This is a test. Test episode. Yes. Yes. Basically. Uh, but Jay is away currently. So for this recording, we had to do this a little early. So I don't have any new reviews to share with you guys or any new uh, uh, Patreon updates. Um, But... I do have some of the same old, same old stuff that we can talk about. And that would be? We have the YouTube page. We're getting so close to the thousand person mark. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube, even if you really don't watch YouTube or anything like that, please go subscribe. The goal is pretty much we need to hit a thousand subscribers and then 4,000 hours of uh, listen time to monetize on YouTube. We have like like a couple hundred different videos on there already. Uh, it's just it's pretty much all the episodes. I was gonna say, yeah, you know, huh. they go up. But well, we got some video stuff on there. We're starting, but soon you'll have a lot more videos. A lot, and then like the documentaries are gonna go through there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please help us out by going subscribing to that. Next is Paranormality Magazine. We are affiliates. If you buy anything through their website, use the code Corn Crew, and we get a kickback. So yeah, and then you also do like their podcast voting every month. Uh, we've been in the top a couple times, so if you feel so inclined, you can vote for us on their podcast uh, like platforms. Right, so if you want to support us or support Paranormality Magazine and Chaz of the Dead. You guys heard him last week. I tell you what, we got tons and tons and tons of good feedback with Chaz. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was. we had a ball with him. 
but yeah, so please go and support both both organizations through that because both are small businesses. Correct. Uh, and the store. Bum, bum, bum. The big announcement. So as you guys heard last week, even though this is only a day later than when we just first announced it, for us, podcast time travel. Oh, yeah. Whatchamacallit. Uh, the store is up and running. You can get all kinds of cool stuff. We're adding all kinds of cool stuff in the future, too. Uh, so be on the lookout for that kind of stuff. Uh, the big complaint right now is that there's like not a lot of pictures of products yet. But they're coming. They're coming. We have all that stuff ordered. So as soon as it gets in, there will be a picture on the website. But there's stuff like lunch boxes. Here in a couple of weeks, you should be able to get vials of Jay's hair, uh, giant salamander teeth, underwear, T-shirts. Um, and the first couple of things, uh, I, I don't know if anybody's bought a lunchbox yet. But it's like a metal tin lunchbox like you used to get in school and everything like that, like a collector's item. Whoever buys the first one, we're putting a special prize inside. Well, probably several special prizes inside. So you got to be out on the website and get the first one. you got be quick. got to be quicker than that. Yeah. But I don't know if anybody's got one yet or not. But got to give a shout-out to Bob. He got the first thing ever on the website. All right. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, he was order 000001. One. Number one. Like, literally. It was, like, instantly. So thank you, Bob. And thank you, everybody else that's bought stuff off the website as well. It just was funny that, like, we announced, I think, during our, like, our Cryptids and Coffee. Yeah, our Facebook show. And then it, like, uh, Michaela, the lady that runs the website, was like, oh, you got it first order. It was like Bob. It. All right. And I got to say, so our website is 100% small business run and operated. Mm -hmm. It is us and a local lady that does it all. Yeah, pretty much my neighbor right down the road. Yes. Uh, she does all the T-shirts. She does all the printing. So everything is small business. All the money is going to either us or another small business. So I just had to say that out because I, I prefer that kind of stuff. Right. I, su I support local businesses. But yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. You ready to rock and roll? Yeah, up? let's get on with it. What's, what's our topic of today? Monsters in the Marsh. Monsters in the Marsh? Yes. Okay. Not March. Marsh. Okay. Uh, this so basically this morning I woke up we had to record an episode and I had something else in mind, but uh, Jen McLaughlin, I think it's McLaughlin. I know, oh, but okay. she will always be McLaughlin to me. Huh. Yeah, I don't think she's laughing. She may be. Okay, she's a really talented artist. I see some of her work this morning. Uh, anyways, so she sent me something today, and I was she asked me kind of my opinions on that kind of stuff, and. It kind of spiraled into like a wormhole of stuff, a rabbit hole going Ooh. down of like finding little bits and pieces. And then there's some biologists that made me agitated and upset. And then it was it's very reminiscent. Mm, I like rabbit holes. And when uh, you get upset. Yeah, it's it's not it's not hard to do. <laughs> well, good. I'm looking forward to this. So there's kind of several different definitions for the word cryptid. Uh, the one we're going to be focused on today is a misplaced animal. Okay. So the animal we're going to be really focusing on is an animal that is documented. Okay. But it is it is showing up a lot of places it's not supposed to be, and it's quite an intimidating animal. Mm, is, it a, is it a wolverine? No, but that would be a really good guess. Like, that'd be a scary animal to see. No, this is a, this animal can be up to five and a half feet tall. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's kind of secretive, but very loud. Oh, I think I know what it might be, but go I'll on. give you one crack. Is it a bird? Is it? That's my guess. Is it just... Bird, like there's. Well, I mean, out of the two hundred thousand species of bird on the planet, you're just going to try to say bird. I narrow it down, you know. I whittle away. Oh come on, what else? Do you really think you know what animal it could be? Yeah, it could be like that, like an emu or something. Ooh, an emu or the that 
that we just talked about emus in Michigan. That there's a, a population establishing mm, that, that would it? fit it, wouldn't it? That's my guess. Because they're they're pretty tall, aren't they? Yeah. Let's get into Jen's message. Okay. Okay, Justin Jay, I need your help figuring this out. This morning I woke up and was thinking about my next painting. I do I do a lot of birds and thought about going back to a memory I had of a unique bird experience, and I decided I wanted to paint this particular bird I saw on the uh, Saddle Islands, S-A-N-I-D-E-L. Sandal. Sandal Islands in the late 90s. When I started to research the bird for the painting, I was absolutely shocked to find out not only is the bird endangered, it is only native to Africa. Although I had to leave my mind open to other possibilities discussed on your show, I've always leaned towards scientific first as an explanation. And if I can't explain it, then I look into other possibilities. So the uh, to the experience. I was at a friend's wedding in the Sandals. I'm a Virginia Beach or I am from Virginia Beach. I'm very familiar with our ingrates, our cranes, and all other types of waterfowl, both oceanic and wetlands. Uh, and the end of the things, we have the Great Dismal Swamp here as well, which is literally like a gigantic uh, wetland swamp uh, full of all kinds of cool wildlife. A marsh, you might say? Yes. All right. Uh, it's dismal. Dismal. Uh, you know why it's called dismal? Um, probably no one wants to be there. Well, the first people to walk through it. Believe me, I walked through swamps for a living for yeah. a while. If you had to walk through one that's like 200 miles wide. I'd call it dismal, This too. is the dismal place. Yeah. No, anyways... Back to the story. Anyways, oh, that's how she starts it. I woke up early before traveling friend, before my traveling friends, probably at five or six a.m. I had always been an early morning person. There were bikes at the place we were staying at, and we had rented some. I decided to take an early morning bike ride around the island, or at least in the general area we were staying. Uh, there were all these nice bike paths all over the place, and no one was up yet in the sleepy beach village that we were staying at. While riding in this in this section where there was water on the sides of the path in some woods, not sure if it was swampy water or very small ditch like an overflow, I remember there being a fair amount of water as to how the water on the edge of the swamp roads here in Virginia can flood around the tree line in some places. Maybe a foot or two deep, maybe three. And I don't know if this connects to the brackish or fresh water. Anyway, there's a section along the path with a massive bird. Gray and some blue-gray, as I recall. A very distinct beak, very piercing eyes, and nearly as tall as I am, if not more so. He was waiting in the water. I stopped. I could not have been more than five or six feet from him as he was in the water right there beside the path. He looked me dead in the eyes. I was shocked at how odd this bird looked and how beautiful it was. I literally stopped in my tracks now I'm five foot tall back then and 98 pounds. This bird could have taken me out. Uh, uh, she gives it like a couple laughs. Uh, what I'm saying is it was big. You know what's funny? Is that's literally the same size as Emily. Emily, that's what I was thinking too. Uh, and I make the joke about Emily that a bird could take her out. This one could. Yeah. What Do you know what bird it is yet? I, I, is it one of those things with the big thick bills? Do you know Do you know the name? Then, think- nope. Then we're moving on. Okay. So, uh, maybe a foot in either direction, give or take, but no smaller than four feet. So, basically, what she's saying here is that, like, it's standing in the water, and it's at least her height standing in the water. Right, yeah. Uh, I'm unsure of the differences in the terrain as the path and the elevation slightly, but I do not recall the difference of whether 
He was in the height of the or height of the bank of the water. He had a thick bill, not that of a heron or an ingrit or anything else like that. I stood there for a while and just looked at each other. He moved slightly, slowly, and not much, but enough to notice that it was an odd, that he was an oddball and distinctly remember, uh, reminded me of what I thought a dinosaur would look like. His body was heavier, thicker set than any or than any heron I'd ever seen, and that bill, I will never forget that because I knew I had to get past him, and I was thinking about even though he was only a few feet ahead of me watching, he was pretty close to the bike path, and I was worried he may snap at me when I went to leave. <laughs> anyway, this morning, I was thinking about him. It is not something you forget like an encounter like that. At the time, I thought, wow, it's, it's, uh, I had seen this cool giant, some kind of weird-looking Florida bird. I didn't really think anything of it other than it was a cool experience until this morning when I was looking up birds to figure out what I had saw. I finally found a picture of him and verified it with other pictures. He was a shoebill crane. I was shocked. I read that they were endangered and they only live in Africa. I did find a couple of people that reported seeing them in the wilds in Florida, but generally thought they're not able to fly from Africa. This is pretty far from the zoo, a somewhat small island to the house of the exotic pet of this size. So yeah, basically, what's the scientific explanation is what she's asking. And we'll get to there. Like what? How this bird got there? Yeah. Okay. So Jen, thank you for sharing this story. Yeah, I, that's I know awesome. I kind of like did this impromptu with her, so I hope she's not too mad at me. I'm like, uh, after doing well, the research. Yeah, because I'm okay. like, I had to do an episode on this. Yeah. Anyway, I mean. But I did find her story later, too, somewhere else. You found hers? Mm-hmm. Like her encounter? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, awesome. But no, this is a this is crazy. So uh, I'll, I'll talk to Jen after this because I'd love, I think she has a picture of it. Oh, nice. Okay. And I have some biologist friends that I would like to argue with this about. Okay. Because they're going to tell me that, no, there's no shoebill, uh, shoebill storks or shoebill cranes. It's whatever you want to call them. Like, I call them shoebill storks. Okay. But there's no shoebill storks in the wild in the U.S. Hmm. But Jen's encounter is not alone. Okay, so it's happened more than once. Uh, a ton. Oh, really? Yeah. Shoe, we'll get into it, but I just wanted to just let's just let's just stop for a second. Okay. And really go over an encounter. Basically, she had a really cool encounter. Yeah. But some of the behaviors that she recorded is shoebill crane behaviors. Well, yeah. They stop and they look and they actually will do this like dance with humans. And they'll clip like they'll clack their jaws and stuff like that. That's the but part. they're extremely intimidating birds and they'll try to intimidate you. Can't they like actually hurt? they can hurt you, right? If they wanted to, it's not they're not going to. They're not like that. They're more okay. of a here's how big I am, here's how you yeah. know. But they can actually bond with humans. Oh nice. Uh some of the ones in captivity are extremely close with their uh with their uh zoo takers. Where are they where are they in captivity? Like in we'll in get the US? To there because there's not there's only three of them. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. These are not escaped zoo birds. Her encounter. Yeah. Okay. I do believe she's seen a shoebill crane. Uh, yes. Or shoebill stork, whatever. Most people, I just call them, I'm just going to call it a shoebill. But you don't believe it escaped from the zoo because no. they're all still a there's, there's four actually technically in the U.S. and three of them are in Tampa. Okay. So it, she was almost right. It was almost a Florida bird. Yeah. But uh, these guys are massive. The other thing is they're reported as being one of the most, uh, one of the birds that stands still the most. Hmm. Now she was talking about a report. It was like almost like frozen. Right. Yeah. Uh, they have been known to like, that's how they lose predators. They just sit still? They will literally stand so still, 
like not moving millimeters and it freaks predators like the predators just can't see them yeah they disappear they do the, literally that old adage if they don't if you can't see me moving you can't see me at all is that how it goes something like that sure i mean something like that i don't remember considering this thing is a dinosaur yeah and that's the other thing she said is it looks like a dinosaur yeah we're going to talk about sand hill or not sand hill cranes we're going to talk about them too later uh but shoe bills shoe bill cranes or their biology they look just like dinosaurs but everybody that's ever seen was like it's like looking at a dinosaur they sound like dinosaurs and other people are like did you see a wood stork or a sand hill crane no. But these are the only guys with this specific bill type, though, right? Yeah, that's they're, they're unmistakable. Right, exactly. They are unmistakable. They have these giant, like, they look like clogs. Like, yeah. Like the shoes. Yeah, they do, yeah, like the wooden shoes. Yeah. And if you've never seen one, I mean... Look if, one up. Yeah, if you're not driving, but look one up real quick. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it before, These though. are massive, powerful predator birds. Yeah. Uh, kind of a weird thing is they do have a corrugating species, so that means a species that they only pretty much ever show uh, with, and that's uh, there's actually two. One's a plant, one's a fish. Hmm. Uh, they pretty much only ever show up with papyrus, and they pretty much only ever show up with lungfish. Lungfish, huh? Uh, African lungfish. Now, is there a reason for that? Or it's one of their favorite foods. Gotcha. And okay. then papyrus is where they hide. Oh, so okay. they're it's very it's like a, a tied in part of their habitat. They're yeah. very they're very very picky for how big they are. Papyrus is just homey, and they're not good flyers. No, they're not. Yeah, I mean they're giants, but they're wading birds. Yeah. So yeah. they're pretty much just using their wings to get from one pond to the next. Are they like flamingos? Kind of like that. And like, poking around the water? Yeah. Okay. Except they use their giant heads like an axe to <laughs> yeah. catch fish and crocodilians and whatever. That's the difference. Yeah, they eat a lot of crocodiles. In, crocodiles? In, in Africa. I hope the small ones, though, right? Sure. Yeah, I would assume so. I, I've seen a, a five-foot shoebill crane carrying out a 19-foot saltwater crocodile. Okay, I think you're full of crap. See, last week we talked about the oceanic crocodile, right? And this, this is the, this is their natural natural predator. This is why they go out in the ocean to get away from shoebills. Yeah, to get away from these guys. I feel like a, a, that big of a croc would snap one of these up in a heartbeat. Like I don't know. I I'm not the biologist here, but I feel like I know exactly. You're not. Yeah, you know what? You're not. Man, I still I'll still stick to my guns. I Let's, trust my instincts. Ready for the next person? Next person. Oh, next encounter. Sure. So they, all, pretty much all these next ones come off a Reddit thread. Okay. Because it was just perfect. Like literally everybody was sharing their encounters. With this particular yeah. creature. Yeah. So quick fact, I live in central Florida on a spring fed lake, lots of different birds and fish, etc. The other morning letting out the dogs, I saw a massive bluish bird by the lake. My dogs normally chase off the cranes and the herons and whatnot. So this was nothing new, except that this bird didn't fly off this time. <laughs> It slowly turned towards my dogs. I saw its face and I freaked out. I thought it. I, I thought I was tripping balls. Looked like something out of Jurassic Park. I called my dogs off to go inside and looked up dinosaur-looking birds in Florida. And the shoebill stork popped up, and it's a thousand percent it. But I'm not seeing anything. Or but I. But I'm not seeing anything on them being native. Did they escape from a zoo? Was it a fluke? You know. And she's asking all these same questions. It didn't escape from a zoo. But literally, this once again fits their biology perfectly. And when I started reading these, that's why I started getting the rabbit hole because a lot of these encounters fit their biology. Like how common it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they don't back off. Like yeah. they don't run. They'll turn and face and they just kind of stare down and stuff. Like they'll put their nose down. So they're, yeah. they're like, all you see is these giant, massive eyes that are looking through you. And then these, this giant beak like hanging from its mm -hmm. head. Yeah. 
Let's see. You ready for another one? Yeah. Uh, this is so a couple of these are pretty short, but my wife and I encountered a shield bill on the beach in St. Pete in 1999. I searched into my memory with every inch, or it was every inch of five foot tall at least. Felt like a dinosaur. It scared the seagulls we were feeding as it walked up the beach right towards us. Always assumed it was escape from captivity. Mm. So they, they all think that. Yeah. Because it's, first off, we're going to talk about Florida being the land of invasives. Okay. So in Florida and in like and on the coastline, it's not weird to see freaky birds. Okay. Because there's like all kinds of animals that shouldn't be there and all kinds of people having pets they shouldn't have. Yeah. Well, but I'm going to ask you a question. I'm sure everyone's thinking it. How does a bird from Africa get across the ocean to Florida or to, you know, Virginia Beach? Let's let's hold on to that. All right. I do have that. We are going to go over that. Especially if it can't fly with a crab. Uh, yeah, it didn't make it on its own. Mm. What did... Uh, is stowaway? It rode on the oceanic crocodiles. Pay yeah. attention. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What? You got to pay attention. It's just, I give you all the breadcrumbs. It's just flo- it's floating on that one croc that made it. Like, no, it's like there's eight of them on the back of this giant croc, and it's pecking it. I keep going, or we're going to eat Mush. You. Mush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening. Hmm. Who'd have thunk it? I did. I oh, knew it. Yeah. It, actually, you're right. You did. You're the only person that thought <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, that may be a that may be a t-shirt. A shoe bill crane Ocean on it. Crocodiles with a bunch of shoe bill cranes on its back. Yeah, and it's mush. It's like a like the Alaskan uh, dog sled. I may, I may pay a pair for that right now. There we go. After yeah. This. Uh, so here's the next one. Uh, so we talked about uh, a couple from Florida, uh, and then the uh, Sandal Islands. Or, yeah, the Sandal Islands. How far do you think away from Florida some of these sightings occur? Well, Sandal Islands, That's that, that was by Virginia Beach, you said, right? I believe so. Somewhere up there? I mean, that's pretty far. Uh, I don't know. i say as far as 2,000 miles. That's my guess. God, dang it, you may be right. Really? <laughs> Ottawa, Canada. Oh, uh, shoot. That's pretty dang far. That might be further. Ottawa, Canada. So, I, uh, so I, I don't know. So I was actually having or having been hunting for birds, and I saw a year ago. I lived in Ottawa, Canada, and the image was scarred into my brain because it, the bird looked so massive and had a place, and the beak looked prehistoric. I generally thought I was going crazy because nothing came close to what me and my girlfriend had seen. I just came across an image of a shoebill stork, and I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. That was my bird. I'm just glad that others have seen them in North America because it seems like a massive stretch but my girlfriend was there with me, and she saw it too. We have no doubt that this was our bird. All the way up in Canada. That's pretty far. And before I move on, like, there has been several, like, birds end up all kinds of crazy places. Right. Like, we just had uh, in Maryland, I believe, it was Andy had the picture of the stellar sea eagle show up in Maryland, like, 4,000 miles out of the range or something like that. Hmm. And then there was a, uh, what's the death macaw? The death macaw? Yeah, it's a big black macaw. With the red head? With the red eyes, like red skin around the eyes. Is it like a vampire or something like a... No, it's just called the death macaw. Like, oh, okay. It looks, it's just a macaw. Oh, okay. But one of those ended up in the U.S. Where uh, are they from? Uh, South America. Okay, like the Amazon or something? Yeah. yeah okay. So and that was like 4,500 miles out of range. That's pretty far. And then I remember when in college, uh, we were doing a bird survey. So here you go, Ralph. Uh <laughs> He's going to love this episode. Yeah. We're doing a bird survey at Lake Hope, and there was a slightly odd-colored cormorant. If anybody doesn't know what a cormorant is, it's an aquatic bird, kind of looks like a mini pelican. 
They're generally black with like a yellow pelican's pouch. Mm, okay. So this one had yellow around its eyes. I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, it's okay. It's a little different. Now, so that was a neotropical cormorant. The furthest north they've ever been recorded, except that one in Ohio, was southern Texas. Mm, wow. And so there was tens of thousands of birders there that weekend from all over the U.S. Trying to see this one bird. To get pictures to, yeah. for their collections. Was Ralph one of them, probably? He may have been. This may have been before we, because this was way before we ever did any of this stuff. We, I, may have, I may have bumped into Ralph. And this might have been the one that like got him hooked. You know what? We should, he's recently engaged. You know what? We should get him a shoebill stork, as, a baby shoebill stork as a uh, present. That's not impossible, but we'll talk about it later. But no, once again, Ralph, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to love this. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You ready for the next one? Yeah. I saw outside my house a few years ago. I believe it's likely the same bird. Very cool. Likely someone's smuggled exotic pet or something. I have a picture of it on my phone. Pretty amazing to see. I have cross-checked the images, no mistake. Uh, Central Florida in land of lakes. Mm, like the butter. Yes. That's <laughs> where the butter's from. Oh, really? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Yeah, shoot. Ready for another one? I'm always ready. So these next two, uh, like a lot of these are from Florida, and there's reasons for that. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's a perfect habitat. Yeah. I saw one back in 2015 here in Naples, Florida. I always used to say it. It was like nipples. But it's Naples. You're right. It is Naples. It was at night, and I was standing on the balcony. It was about 15 foot below me, walking along the pond line. I was freaking out as well. I had never seen a bird like that. Later on, after doing some research, I found a shoebill stork. Crazy experience. My lady and I both saw it that night. Here's my last one for you. Okay. Uh, saw one in Florida when I was six. Up close. It was really close, like two or three feet away. I remember it had huge eyes forever in my brain still to this day. I was in Orlando with my grandpa at the time. It was there with some pelicans we were feeding, but it was not a pelican. It was clearly way bigger and it had a different beak. I have always wondered at this uh, what it was, but time to time, I Google Florida sightings of them and still found this, or finally found this. I'm not too familiar with Florida in the way by the peers thought I'd share. So this thread has like 30 or 40 different sightings, and there's a couple others. I pulled some. I pulled one of them from a different website, but this Reddit thread has like 30 or 40 sightings. Most of them are Florida. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are like, I seen one in X. You know, I seen one next. Right, I seen one next, and that's it. So I pulled the I pulled the ones that actually had some substance. Yeah, to them, yeah. But not, it's just because it's it's to them it's just a bird, but it's a crazy bird, right? But it's like, yeah, I seen I seen one, and hopefully it's not an angry bird. Oh, it's angry. Oh, okay. Jeez. So before we move on, what do you think so far? Before I tell you something about uh, shoebill stork biology, well, I mean. I, I guess the question, still that same question from earlier is lingering in my head. How'd they get there? But is there like a, is there like a small population over here that's just like made it? I don't know. Is that possible? That would be pleasant, right? Because they're pretty endangered. 
Uh, I don't know if it'd be pleasant because it sounds like they'd be invasive. Yeah, I mean, they're not doing well anywhere. Okay. So Florida would be a nice spot if they had a little, like in the Everglades. I mean, Florida's got a lot of other animals that are being very destructive. This would not be uh, high up on the list. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope hope they're down there. So let's talk about, okay, ready for the scientific name? Yeah. Uh, Okay. I'm ready to hear you pronounce it. Balansopri Rex. Okay. Oh, it's actually got like a dinosaur name. Well, Rex just means king. Oh, it does? Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Tyrant lizard king, Tyrannosaurus Rex, tyrant lizard. Hmm. And then, because Saurus is lizard, Ty is in tyrant. Tyrant lizard, lizard king. king. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. That makes it even worse. This means uh, large, uh, what is it? It's either like large bills or large jaw king. Nice. Okay. All right, because I will. Shoe bills are always, always are uh, are also known as whale-headed storks, are endemic to Africa and only inhabit a small part of eastern central part of the continent. The main population is found in southern Sudan, mainly in the White Nile Sudden, and the wetlands of the northern Uganda and western Tasmania, or Tasmania, or not Tasmania, Tanzania. Yes, and uh, ready for this one, Bengawala Swamp. I think is what it's called. That sounds like fun of northwestern Zimbabwe. Smaller populations do pro- uh, crop up in eastern Zeria in Rwanda. This bird's range usually coincides with uh, that of papyrus and lungfish, like I said earlier. So these guys prefer uh, strictly freshwater swamps, uh, extensive, dense marshes. So for how big they are, they actually do prefer very tight terrain. They don't like being out in the open. Gotcha. Uh, so some like some of the other wading birds will wade in full open swamps. These guys generally will not do that. Well, yeah, because they can't fly away. Yeah, so that's uh, they can't fight it. They really don't want them. They are often found in areas of floodplains, uh, interpassed with uh, un- uh, undisturbed papyrus and reed beds. When shoebill storks are in the area with deep water, the beds of floating vegetation are required. So basically, yeah, they don't do anything without these plants. Gotcha. They are also found in waters where very poorly oxygenated water. Uh, this causes the fish living in the water to be more to the, uh, come to the surface for air more often, increasing the likelihood that the shoebill stork will successfully capture it. Hmm. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. That's actually kind of smart. Yeah. On their part. Okay. Huh. Yeah, they're not dumb. Is that why they're called lungfish? Why are L- they called lungfish? Lungfish uh, have they, they modified their swim bladder into being like a lung. So they come up to breathe air. Yeah. Man. And no wonder why. No <laughs> wonder why they feed off. That makes so much sense. Okay, the piece, the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together here. So yeah, let's talk about what these guys actually look like. We kind of did, but these are very large, uh, kind of basic stork body plan for the, like the rest of the body. Uh, they are blue to gray. They um, can be up to 140 centimeters tall. Jay, you should look up how tall it is in inches. Ooh, if I knew for my sumo uh, charts, I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. Uh, males in or males are larger than females. Uh, and females have uh, larger bills. So mm. basically, males are taller, and females get bigger bills. Okay. Well, that's 55 inches, so like four and a half feet, roughly. Yeah. That's pretty tall. Plumage, and they can stretch to be taller. Uh, plumage is slightly like blue-gray, like that kind of, and they generally have darker colored heads, but it's still that black or blue. Uh, they can have blue-tipped, uh, blue or silver-tipped uh, wing feathers and stuff like that, So, but they're pretty much blue. Okay. They're blue birds. Blue birds. Their bill is the most prominent feature. Uh, resembles a wooden shoe. This enormous structure ending in a sharp, curved hook. 
The color of the bill is yellowish with a dark blotchy spot. But yeah, these guys are big. Yeah, and they, they make like a like that clacking noise with their bill, yeah, right? Yeah, they, cl- they, they clack. Is that for defense or what? No, it's actually a part of like... We're, oh, okay. Am I jumping Shuvo storks are solitary, are solitary breeders and have territories measuring approximately squ- three square miles. In the breeding section or season, these birds are very territorial and defend their nest against predators and other comp- or competition. Breeding times vary depending on the location, but usually coincide with the dry season. The reproductive cycle, nest building, and fledging span is six to seven months. Oh. So from the start of the nest to when the baby's out of the nest is six months. Oh, I guess that's not too bad at all. No, it's 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 pretty similar with other waterfowl. Yeah, that's with them quick. kicking them out. Yeah, but to your question, no, uh, that is a part of saying hello. It's all kinds of things. That clacking could be used for all kinds of things. Hmm. Uh, it's very intimidating. But the one <laughs> guy that has one here in the U.S. that does the dances with it and stuff, it's his like, it, it's kind of like, I can't remember if he says it's like his mate, not the guy. The shoe bill has claimed the guy as, as his mate. Gotcha. And so, like, they do a greeting with it, and they do these weird little dances. Is but it, they're kind of friendly. They can be kind of friendly to humans for how solitary they are. Is that guy? I mean, I'm interested in this, this guy doing this dance now. Is that, like, a, I mean, I guess I'm guessing he trained trained this to do it with him no or? no 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 it's the shoe bills dance that he mimics so he mimics it is there yep. videos of this online yeah oh that's awesome all right we're gonna look that up after this uh they only lay one to three eggs uh average t- hatch day is 30 days average fledge age is 95 days and average time of independence is 125 days hmm. shoe bill storks are monogamous breeders and both parents participate in every aspect of nest building incubation chick rearing and training uh, egg rearing is, or egg watering is a behavior that has been recorded in many occasions and is also observed in true storks. Uh, it's to keep the eggs cool and adult shoebills will get a mouthful of water and pour it over the nest. So this would kill most other species of eggs. This literally like drowned them. Yeah. Uh, it is also, they will also get a mouthful of wet grass and place them around the egg and will roll them and turn them with its feet or its bill. So it's more of a reptile thing. Yeah. I, it, it's very uh, maternal, too. Yeah, it's very ancient. Yeah. It's very ancient. Like, these guys are pretty much dinosaurs. Like, huh. they, we look at them. They're a really, really old order of birds. They're yeah. the last member of this order of birds. And we look at them for a lot of dinosaur biology. Hmm. Uh, like this, like, because it's kind of still doing some reptile things. Birds are very not closely related to reptiles. Right. But reptiles, then dinosaurs, then birds. Right, right. It's that branch. What's that What's that called? Uh, that's it's just... What? Not, uh, those those creatures that were pre synapsids, synapsids. Are before all of that. Yeah, like, yeah, synapsids are way long ago. You read there. You go. I knew you'd pull that word out. Uh, the development of the shoebill stork is a slow process compared to most other birds. Feathers do not fully envelop until day sixty, which is it, it's that's a, quite a while. Yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> Two months to develop all the feathers. Uh, but yeah, they can live up to thirty six years in captivity. Oh wow! Uh, in the wild, you know, they kind of top out at thirty. Oh, so they live longer in captivity? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're nothing's eating them. So it's not like a croc. No. Yeah, reptiles are kind of weird. Reptiles and big mammals are kind of weird in that aspect. Birds last longer. Mm-hmm. Because nothing's eating them and they don't like... Sure, they got no worries. They're mm-hmm. stress-free. So shoebill storks are usually silent, but they often participate in bill chattering, a behavior, uh, a behavior characteristic of true storks. Adults will often do this to greet each other, at the nest, but young shoebills do this to perform what's called bill chattering. A 
Adults will also be making a whipping and wooing or a mooing noise, and the young will make a hiccuping noise, especially when begging for food. Mm. So this the bill of chattering is most of the time it's a greeting. Okay. It's nice. Yeah. It scares people. Yeah. But most of the time it's them like like, oh hello. Right. It's I'm them here. acknowledging you kindly. Mm-hmm. It, the rather dead, than taking their talons and ripping your gut at, guts yeah, out. For how large they are, these guys are mostly silent. Okay. Uh, the principal sense used during hunting is vision and hearing. They do have an extremely great sense of hearing and an extremely great sense of vision. Uh, they have binocular vision, like most pred- like predatory hawks and such. Okay. Uh, Shubal storks hold their heads and bills vertically downward against their breast. Like they're, like they're looking at their feet. All right. Everybody at home, <laughs> just imagine like they're looking at their feet. So their eyes look like they're facing forward like a human. Yeah. Well, they but, are. I mean, yeah, kind of, but kind of not. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like us looking up. Yeah. Uh, they eat everything amphibians, reptiles, fish, mollusks, uh, pretty much other birds, anything that'll fit in their mouth. Like they're just like that. You know, that's. And their bill can probably crunch it all up, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter really what it is. Yeah. Uh, there are only a few predators of adult shoebill storks. Uh, young and eggs may be taken by any kind of nest predator. But uh, shoebill storks aggressively defend their young and build their nest in accessible areas to most predators. Uh, not a lot of things want to eat these things. They're just not worth the time. <laughs> time and effort. Yeah. They're not the easiest thing to kill because they bite really hard and they, like, they're just not. It's just not worth it for how little food you're actually getting out of the, the process by the end of this. That makes sense. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, ecosystem roles. They are important predators in the swamp and marshes where they live. So they are kind of on a small scale an apex predator. They keep a lot of stuff moving. Gotcha. Okay. Any questions so far? I don't know. These are pretty amazing birds, and uh, it's just a sh- what luck that Jen got to see one. I know. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm kind of. I'm kind of jealous. I'm kind of jealous. So they are goofy looking birds. Uh, they do eat crocodiles. That was not a joke. One of their favorite, they are one of the major predators of Nile crocodiles in the hatching season. Okay, so still babies. Yeah, I was right on that one. But these literally have affected the populations of Nile crocodiles in some areas. Oh, yeah, probably. Because they would just destroy the the babies. Yeah. Because mom will come cruising in and they hold so still, mom doesn't know where it's at. Oh, oh, man. Hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you think you'd hold still pretty good if that's like. Yeah, if it's an 18 foot croc like barreling down on you. Uh, there is not many of these guys left. Like Jen stated, they are endangered. They are red list is what it's considered. There's only at a maximum of 5,300 adults left in the world. That's not many. That's not. Can uh, we get a permit, on the though? low estimate, it's 3,300. Ooh, it's even worse. So for birds, and it depends on who you're talking to, an unstable population would be like anything under like 2,500, 3,000. So that means is the genetic diversity is so limited yeah. that they probably can't come back. Um, is there any chance we can get a permit, like for some eggs or some youngins, and no, start incubating them? No, because we're gonna talk about why. Okay. Because uh, there's like there's only a handful of these in zoos in the world. Yeah. And there's a reason why. Oh, they don't do well, do they? Uh, so let's talk about that. Yeah. So shoebill storks in the U.S. Uh, the Tampa Zoo is home to three of only four shoebill storks ever brought to the U.S. These fascinating birds, once again, can reach five feet in height and have a really low population. Uh, so, yeah, if you ever want to see one of these in captivity, the Tampa Zoo is your best bet. There is one lone uh, shoebill somewhere else. I couldn't find it. It's kind of like not in a private collection, but not in a public zoo kind of thing. Like a Joe Exotic kind of no, thing. No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, shoebill... <laughs> so, I want your ideas. Get your ideas ready. All right. 
They're cooking. Okay. The Shuba population is uncommon in the wild and is rarely seen in zoos. Uh, this is a great accomplishment that is helping the conservation of this unique species. Basically, is because uh, they they are not you can't see them, so people really want them to come back. Uh, yeah, like sorry, I gotta get to where I was. I lost my spot. Yeah, bookmark with all those notes. Yeah. Okay, so you've made several mentions of uh, obtaining. Yeah, I want storks. One. I want one. So this is probably why they're so endangered. Because people like me. And why they may be in the U.S. Because people like me. Yeah. <laughs> so why are shoebill storks endangered? The shoebill stork is undergoing a continuing decline uh, owing to the effects of habitat destruction, uh, degradation, pollution, nest disturbance, hunting, and most of all, the capture for the live bird trade. Mm-hmm. The shoebill stork is the most expensive bird in the world really really wow that's pretty amazing what do you think one of these cost thirty thousand dollars you're right on the money seriously twenty to thirty thousand bucks oh wow i've been Uh, good today yeah you've been on it uh and that's in the zoo trade so on the black market it's probably like zoos are paying twenty to thirty thousand dollars to get one yeah and there's waiting list no, none have been. It, okay, so let's. These high prices encourage shady trades to capture shoebills to sell them to zoos or middlemen, reducing the wild population. Furthermore, once again, to your other comment about eggs, shoebills rarely, if ever, have bred in captivity. The few times they have bred in captivity has been under great scrutiny of it not actually occurring, as in wild harvest of eggs and making it look oh. like their captives have bred. Really? They would do that? Yes, because they get a lot of funding. Wow. So if you get some shoebill eggs and you get them to hatch, and they'll be like, ah, our, we're the only, our pair of shoebills is the only ones in the world that's ever produced in captivity. Yeah. A lot of people will start like, oh, then fund. we need to fund that, you yeah. know, because they're going away. Hmm. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah. Shoebill storks, uh, one of the, there's one question, like, at, like not ask, but there's one question kept popping up. Where can I buy a shoebill stork in the U.S.? You can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so I just told you about zoos and the illegal like trade that zoos are involved with, and we'll come back to that. But the private pet trade is even worse. I can uh, usually is yes. So uh, people may not know this. This is why I got into this rabbit hole with this episode in particular. Illegal animal trafficking is the third biggest illegal business in the world, only beaten by drugs, which is number one. And guns, which is number two. Wow. And it's close. In a couple years, it has beat guns out. Wow. Uh, the it's penguin impressive. is the most trafficked animal in the world. But shoebill storks are being trafficked all over the U- or all over the world. That's impressive. Uh, what? That animal trafficking. Yeah, it's crazy. Because there's people, there's all these collectors. And I have a lot of animals, don't so get me wrong. But I have animals I want, like I like that I like. Right. People have these collections. Where it's like displaying jewelry. Right, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of bird collectors here in the U.S. that have those collections. Ralph. It's like it's it's displaying jewelry. Like they don't, like it's just having the animals to have the animals. The shoebill stork is the number one. It is the crown jewel. I was just going to say that, the crown jewel. It is. So, and they are being decimated in Africa 
by live capture for the exotic bird trade. Oh, that's kind of sad. Nobody, and I couldn't find nothing about saying where they were going. Yeah. They just know that there's thousands of them, well, or yeah, hundreds of them at least a year being captured and if sold. It, if you know it shows up in your house and people know about it, you're in big doo-doo publicly. So, let's roll it back. We'll come back to Zeus. Why are they in Florida? Probably illegal pet trade. That is the number one port for illegal animals to come in. Hmm, makes sense. So, okay, so I'm going to put these pieces together, see if I can go where you're going. So that's the number one port yeah. where illegal animals come in. This is a five-foot-tall, uh, pretty aggressive bird that's been in a box since Africa. Yeah. And you transfer it out, and it just gets out. Yeah. And the habitat's very similar. They're very solitary. Uh, they do will, you know, and it's, let's, say one, let's say they did make it into collections, and then they broke out. Okay. So then that's a couple of these stories had them being hand-fed. Basically, they see people feeding other birds. Okay. They're, so they're used to being fed. Yeah. So they'll walk up and get food. And that's, they're not scared of you. They fit their biology. What were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, like, yeah, they bring them across after they bring them to the port. And then, you know, something's gonna, about to get inspected. And you have this. Oh, they do that. They dump them. Yeah. Like, oh, that, get rid of it. Get rid of it. And that's where I was thinking a lot of these probably are coming from situations like that. Because if you get. I can't remember what frogs. But frogs are thrown out of a plane because of that. Goliath frogs, probably. No, I wish. But no, <laughs> it was some invasive somewhere out in the U.S. Like, they dumped them, and they're like, oh, Out they're... of a plane? Yeah. Because that they, when it they... was raining frogs? No, oh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, because they knew they were getting, they were inspectors at the airport they were landing in. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah. So just like drugs, you just ditch it. Ditch it, yeah. And then they became invasive somewhere. Cane I think toads. it was over, I know it was over South America. I can't remember what species it was. It was like an Asian species. Mm, okay. But yeah, Florida's like the number one place. The exotic animals come to. And if you look at it, there are things, not pangolins, but uh, kinkajous are out in, in Florida, which is a fr- like a furry raccoon-like mammal. Right. Kind of like a raccoon, kind of like a primate. Monkeys, uh, what we think is actually like bonobos. We think that they may be out there. Like they could be the skunkates. Yeah. Uh, orangutans. All these animals have come in kibbins. Uh, and but, it's a great environment for them all to live in. Yes. It's basically the closest, the closest, besides Puerto Rico, the closest the U.S. gets to an actual rainforest. Right, yeah. The Everglades? Uh, is the Everglades. Yeah. And then it's a good stopping ground to spread out. But reptiles, and the thing with birds, is they can fly. Yeah. So once you have this bird that gets out, he's gone. Right, exactly. You ain't catching Yeah, It's not like a snake that hops out and he's like, you, got, you can chase it down. No, if it gets up. And they, they're poor flyers. I fully believe they're not flying over from Africa. Right. I was hoping they don't dump one out of a plane, one of these. It right. just falls like a like a bomb. I mean, they can fly. They can like fly, fly. Yeah, they can fly. Or like a quail fly. No, they can fly. Okay, okay. Because they fly, they migrate in Africa and stuff like that. They're okay. just not known for like great distances without making frequent stops. Well, it seemed like it'd take a lot of energy to get that beak up in the air and stay. The whole up body. There. It's a big animal. It is. Yeah. So but, now, that, but that beak looks like a. It's it's thick. So that's the pet trade, the illegal pet trade. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I believe it because we know it's happening. We know it's happening. Let's rewind, though, to zoos. I'm not letting, I have mixed opinions on zoos. You're not letting zoos off the hook? No. Okay. Because I love zoos and I hate zoos. Yeah, it's a love hate relationship. A push and a pull. They are great for certain aspects of keeping genetics secured. Keep, like, there's a lot of animals like that, like, we wouldn't have them in the world if it wasn't for zoo populations. Right. Uh, But zoos have been caught doing extremely shady stuff with animals that are worth a little money. Like those koala bears at the one zoo? 
that's I the alligators in Chicago that I was there for that I was in the creeks when their alligators got out. Oh, gotcha. Uh, they were only supposed to have. They were allowed to have six alligators. Six. And how many did they have? The first day after the alligators broke out, basically, basically, they had like a thing happen to where like the whole enclosure was busted open. Yeah. And they all just left. Yeah. So they're supposed to have six. They found seven. Okay, so there's already one over. And so the then finally the officials like, how many alligators you got? And they're like, just seven. We just have seven alligators. Yeah. Just seven. Just seven. That's all it. He sounds like Tim Cook. And then is no, I was doing Leslie. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Leslie Jordan. Yeah. I, he was I miss his videos. Uh just getting fat and sassy. Yeah. Uh and then they found eight. And then they found nine. And then they found ten. I'm in the rivers where this is at. Yeah. With electro back, they shocking the water. How many did you find? Uh, I we were waiting every minute, every minute to be like, we're gonna just shock this little creek, and an eight foot alligator is gonna get real mad. Did it happen? No. Okay. Uh, I can't share the story about the beaver, but that's that story. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember. Okay. Uh, no, I think they ended up finding like thirty two of them. Jeez, that's a little this bit more than zoo six. Was got caught illegally breeding alligators to sell for profit to other zoos mm. and private collections. Mm. That ain't cool. That's alligators. Yeah. So imagine what they're doing with shoebill stores. And once again, they're not probably breeding them. Yeah. But they're probably getting them legally through imports. Yeah. And then kind of like selling them out to like, pri- like we just talked about. A, one, a zoo will pay you $30,000. Right, exactly. What will a private person pay your zoo? Double if not more. Yeah. You know, a hundred thousand. You know, a hundred thousand dollars for a dinosaur. You would do it if I you would. had the money. Yeah, if I had the space to keep them. Exactly. Uh, there's actually a picture of the Chicago Zoo, which is not the one that let the alligators get out. It's not the Chicago Zoo. Gotcha. With their shoe bills in like 1913 in some lady's bathroom. Yeah. Because of the like the freeze out or whatever. Oh, so they brought so, it inside. So she was keeping them in her house to keep them alive. It's <laughs> just chilled in the bathroom. Yeah, she had like hay down and everything like He's that. Brushing his teeth in the sink. And- no, they weren't happy. <laughs> She would just, like, throw a fish in there every once in a while. Yeah. Please don't eat my kids. Right, yeah. Open the door. Slam it shut real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the this zoo trade, the zoos have been caught doing this. And you mentioned the koala thing. We're not going to mention with zoo or nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, that's even worse. That's, uh, that's beyond. Yeah, so zoos have been caught in the U.S. constantly breeding or smuggling animals in their own right for either sale to other zoos, which is the most part of it, or to private collections, which is a little part of it. So this whole black market animal trading thing, other animals get caught really quick. Like there was a cobra loose in Michigan like four years ago. Uh, people know what a cobra is. Right. Cobras will stand up and defend themselves. They got that big hood on there. Mm-hmm. Hard to miss. So it, they got blamed on a private collector, but it was outside of Detroit. Mm. Where hyenas and emus have been found outside of Detroit. And even a red wolf has been found outside of Detroit. On the same side the zoo's on. It's a portal area. Yeah. That's portal the, in the fence. That's what this yeah. Yeah, there's a hole in the back fence. <laughs> what if tip. that was the zoo's like defense? Like, like there's a portal. There's portals in this it's a weird area. So, but the, the Detroit Zoo is famous for stuff. Never gotten proved that right. it got out of their zoo. Right. But when you have a hyena, a red wolf, emus, 
and all kinds of other stuff end on the end up on the outside of your zoo, like right on the outside of your zoo. There may be a correlation there. Yeah, and the venomous reptiles. Yeah, it's like nobody locks. Is the guy does? Does the keys not work? To right. Lock up the cages or? Well, those are all smart animals. They know how to escape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sure. sure. <laughs> no, I'm just being dumb. Uh, so we have all this. Now let's go back to those shoe bills biology. And I'll bring I'll, I'll I'll end it with cryptids. Don't worry, everybody at home. I know this has been a pretty bird heavy episode, but it's because Ralph got engaged and we wanted to celebrate. That's right. Uh, no. So going back to this like shoe bill biology, they're extremely secretive. They're shy. Uh, they're solitary. They don't need a lot of them. Like they'll only find each other to breed, and they'll even like they won't stay with their partners the whole rest of the year or the next year. They are monogamous. They do pick one mate. Uh, mm. so. They'll they'll find them again when they want to, but they they have these massive territories to themselves, like big cats. Like so, there's one for every three or four square miles. I was gonna say it kind of sounds nice. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if you like that kind of lifestyle, I think I'd kill myself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but no. So these birds are really secretive. They're in the they're being mostly seen in areas that can support them, that have habitat, that have the temperatures. Uh. I think this is what's happening, that it's mostly illegal pet trade and maybe even a little on the zoos. I don't think they're breeding here. They may be breeding here. Uh, that would be kind of nice for them because if you could get a population going and start shipping them back to Africa, that <laughs> I'd would say be just nice. let them run wild here. Like, I, I welcome the shoebill stork in, in my backyard. So let's wrap it up. What do you think this has to do with cryptids? Like I said, there is that first that one of the three definitions of cryptids. Right. Yeah. Is is an animal out of place. An out of place animal, which this is what it's it's going on here. I mean, for the most part, unless there's another angle here that you're getting at. I I'm, do. See, I'm not seeing it yet. So we're gonna go to number two, animal of Miss ID. You think it's something other than the shoebill? No, I think the shoebill stork is responsible for a lot of other cryptids. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah, I could imagine that for but, sure. For example. The Georgia Raptor. Ooh. Their uh, son, our grandson and a grandpa, seen a giant dinosaur-like animal with feathers running through the woods in Georgia. Yep. Can they? Can these things run fast? They can kind of run. They don't really run fast. Like, this is not their nature. It's not like an ostrich. Uh, right. But, uh, once again, it's just seen a big bird. Let's right. also talk about pterosaurs. Right. Here in the U.S. Like, in Florida... There's been tons of five to six foot tall pterosaurs being seen, which anybody that isn't home, that's the flying reptiles that lived during the age of the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. uh, Florida's famous for having all these little pterosaurs. We haven't done an episode on it yet because I've been doing more research. What do you think, baby shoebill storks? No, full size ones. But oh, okay. people are seeing six footer, seven footers, and being like, that's a pterosaur. Gotcha. Storks. So these pterosaurs have long tipped tails that they're seen in Florida. Storks throw their legs behind them when they fly, and it looks like a long tipped tail. They have the big wings, and they have this gigantic, meaty bill. that They just look scary. And you see them in low-light conditions. Okay. It, they look like dinosaurs. Could even look like a dragon or something. Yeah. yeah. So all over the U.S., we have these weird... And the Thunderbirds. Hmm. They do not... So these guys don't fly very well. But the, when they fly, they are massive. Hmm. They, they don't look like it's something you want coming at you. <laughs> no. Uh, I, most people haven't had the chance to be like around golden eagles and stuff flying. But it feels like that. Yeah. Even though they're not as agile enough like that in the air, but you just see something that big coming at you in the air. No, thank you. You're like, what is... So I, I don't even like when bugs fly at me in the air. Th this little group we have here on Reddit is the minority. I think many more people 
are seeing shoebill storks in the U.S. and misidentifying them as other things. Right, yeah. I think this is responsible for some of the other cryptids. Uh, even like some of maybe the old-timey cryptids, you know, because the exotic pet trade's been around for, forever. Yeah, for eons. I mean, that's how, like, the, if the, there are bonobos in the Everglades. They came here in, like, the 1700s. Like, I'm pretty sure um, Adam and Eve, like, Adam smuggled a, you know, a pet... I don't know a pet honey badger, and to, to show it off to Eve, he had it pinned up. So, what's your thoughts about all this? I mean, it's kind of crazy, but it's also awesome at the same time. But um, I, one, I'm jealous of people who have laid eyes on one. Like that just would be so awesome. Well, I think we're going to be in Florida next year. I mean, maybe we can, we'll get lucky. We'll go to the Tampa Zoo. Okay. Well, I meant more like that wild encounter. Oh, the wild is like wild's always king. But yeah, I, you absolutely, know, yeah. This is a very shy animal. Right. Yeah. And like for Jen's encounter, let's go back to Jen. I think, like she said, she was the first one out there. It was five in the morning. She was rolling through, and that's kind of was like that's why he was looking at her. Right. Yeah. Like, nobody's supposed to be out this early. Right. Like this is a drunk island. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm supposed to get two hours in the morning yeah. of just me time. I usually catch my fish, do my morning walk, read the paper before I see somebody. Yeah. <laughs> then I go back to sleep for the day. Right. What are you doing? How, how big are their nests? Like, They get pretty big. Are they up in trees or are they no, they're ground, on, they're ground. ground nests? But okay. they, they build them in like on these massive floating mats. In these, They build them yeah. in spots that you cannot get to. Oh, gosh. Gotcha, okay. That's the whole point. Yeah. Because they are kind of mean to other people's nests. So you gotta if you're mean to other people's nests, you, you gotta protect your own. You better hide yours. They're like a what are those uh, birds that run around the yard? Those deer kills, kill deers, kill deers, kill deers. They're like them. Those things are mean if you get close to their nest. It's also the size of like I know a mouse. Yeah, I know, but imagine a dinosaur five foot tall. Yeah, it's quite the difference. But yeah, so all kinds of dinosaur settings here in the U.S. I think could be explained by these guys. Yeah. I oh yeah absolutely. Um, e- even up to that, well, maybe not the one in northern Canada in the tundra, because I, I don't think it would... Eating an elk? No, I'm yeah, talking about these, like, more one. raptors. Yeah, the raptor-type ones, or even the pterosaurs. Yeah, I could, like, especially if you see it flying. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then there's a couple of... Uh, there's another Georgia raptor one, which, when we ever do that episode, which will happen, with a sheep kill. And there was a giant raptor-like animal eating on the sheep. Uh, I was looking into it. They have been seen scavenging and stuff like that, but that would be more of an animal that's not doing it so hot. Yeah. I mean, but it, here in the U.S., I can see that. Yeah. When you're out of your element. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, get, just rather take meat when you can get meat. When you get pulled across the ocean in a box for, you know, however I many do weeks. think this is mostly due to the exotic animal trade. I would And people it. do not realize how big the exotic animal trade is. Like, people see all kinds of, like, Florida has its own category of cryptids. Which is just animals from everywhere else, right? Exactly. Uh, like kinkajous, like they are taken off in Florida and stuff like that. The Florida man, that's the, a cryptid. Yeah, I mean that literally is just a shoebill stork in a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, on yeah. PCP. Uh, exactly. You got to put them all together. That's Florida man. So what's your what's your final approval? What do you mean approval? Like, uh, you think this is happening? Oh well, yeah. I mean, I believe I believe in our friends that listen to the show. And their accounts, they wouldn't share it with them with us if it wouldn't. Well, this authentic. Oh, I mean, I, I also backs it up. There's like you just named off all those other accounts of the thing being seen, especially in Florida. So here's my here's my ask before we end this. And I, I'm with you 100. I believe 100. You guys are seeing shoebills. Yeah. I think there are here in the U.S. I think there even may be if we're lucky a small breeding population. Fingers crossed. Uh, so we can start having them in, as babies. Maybe they'll show up and start nesting in my backyard. There you go. Start feeding them quail. Yeah, oh, yeah. I will gladly if one sticks around. Uh, 
send us your pictures of Shoebills, because a couple of these people in this Reddit post said they had pictures. Jen, I think you may have pictures. Yeah. If you can send them, that'd be great. I don't have to post them anywhere. I just want to see them myself. Yeah, I I do too, badly. Because I have some biologist friends I'd love to rub it in their face. Right. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't even get into the biologist kick really bad. Yeah, you said... Real real quick here at the end. Uh, There's a bunch of biologists saying this is impossible. This is impossible. This is dumb. People are mis... People are seeing sandhill cranes and wood storks. If you so sandhill cranes are tall, they have that. They are a stork. Uh, they are most of the time brown, mm-hmm. a kind of whitey brown, and they have a long, thin bill. You're right. It's nothing like this. Now, wood storks are a heavier set, tall bird, dark brown. Uh, they have a much bigger bill, but it's still a long, slender bill. Yeah. Uh, that's not what people are seeing. It's not the clog on. And then what face. really, really, really upset me is that they wouldn't look at it like I did in two seconds and be like, "Well, what about exotic pet trade?" Right. Yeah. Well, that don't exist. Like, no, I think that'd be like that one guy that got questioned about the Mothman stuff, and then, like, because remember that one of the interviews were like, "What about an owl?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like no, Sandhill Crane. Right. Exactly. Because he's like, "Dang it, that would have been a lot better, lot better idea." Yeah. Like, not possible. Pets. Yeah, it was my idea. The one that's the only one yeah. that could be could be. So yeah, that's it's just ridiculous. So I have I I want to show this pictures to people. Yeah, I mean this is a cryptid that ex- could explain other cryptids. It's type three, type three cryptid. We normally only do type ones, mm-hmm. but it's it's on the list. Like it's it's there. There's accounts. It exists. It's happening. I have been the great and powerful mystery, and I've been J Clone Forty Two. Remember, guys. Check out our Patreon if you're so inclined. Check out the website, the shop. Go if you want a lunchbox. Whoever gets that first lunchbox, <laughs> maybe we'll put a shoe uh, shoe belt crane in it. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I'll draw one. How about that? I uh, know we'll have to get a big lunchbox and a big shoe bill. I'll draw a shoe bill eating eating you. We could put a we could just put a crock in there, a cro- like a shoe, like the shoe, and put googly <laughs> eyes on it and be like, that's pretty much what a shoe bill looks like. Right? Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash CryptsOfTheCorn.com. And don't forget, stay magical. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.